The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Barron's Live. My name is Leslie Hendrickson. I'm a reporter at Mansion Global. Today with me are Liz Lucking, also a reporter at Mansion Global, and Zach Zeldner, founding agent at Compass Boulder. Welcome, Liz and Zach. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Unfortunately, Daniel Hale, chief economist at Realtor.com, was, who was originally scheduled to join us, is not able to make it. And we uh, will miss her, but um, we're happy to have Liz and Zach. And today we're here to talk about the Emerging Housing Markets Index, which the Wall Street Journal and Realtor.com have been releasing quarterly for about two years. We're going to focus on the luxury segment of the market, which is the t- uh, top 10% of homes in the 60 in 60 metropolitan areas of the U.S. And the ranking takes into account information, of course, on the real estate market and other ec- economic measures. And that includes growth in housing supply and demand, prices, cost of living, amenities, but also things like wages and the di- diversity of the area. And those indicators are analyzed to rank the most active emerging housing markets. So for the second quarter, there were some changes. For starters, there were no Florida cities in the top 10. So, um, and of course that's a state where a lot of migration has happened during COVID. So it's probably safe to say that Florida has emerged. However, there are several Sunbelt cities on the list, and that's the area of the country that's basically the southern half from Florida to California. And um, so I wanted to start with you, Liz, to give us an overview of the top five cities on the ranking. Yeah, so the top five this or this most previous quarter, um, Boulder, Colorado, top the list, um, and then Behind Boulder, we had San Jose, Sunnyvale, kind of the Silicon Valley surrounding area. That was in second place. St. Louis, or St. Louis, St. Louis, forgive me. St. Louis. St. Louis, that um, which took first place the previous quarter, dropped down to third this time around. Dallas, Fort Worth came in at fourth place. And then the Hilton Head Island. Bluffton, South Carolina area, that took the fifth spot. Mm -hmm. And I know that Hilton Head has been in our first, the first spot in the past, I think maybe in, in uh, the last year. So, you know, these, these cities are moving around. They've been on the index for several quarters. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you seen, did you see an overarching theme while you were reporting the second quarter data? So what was kind of interesting about this quarter is that, and this was, I spoke to Daniel Hale, for the story, and she kind of pointed out that there wasn't any kind of great unifying trend this time around, which was which has, you know, stands out from our previous quarters, which have kind of followed a theme. Um, but saying that, the top performers were kind of either outdoorsy meccas kind of thing, places where you can get close to nature, or they tended to be larger metro areas that have a lot of job growth, a lot of opportunities. Um, and, you know, a lot of 
amenities to offer their residents is. Right. I think there's also a sense of the relative affordability of a lot of these places. So, you know, um, they can get more house for less money. That's absolutely true as well. Yes. These yeah. aren't the, you know, the tip top priciest markets. We're not seeing Manhattan in here. You know, these are places where there's, you're getting some value for money. Right. Right. Can you just uh, give us an overview about how the luxury market is performing generally speaking? Yeah, so I would say what we're seeing is it's performing a little, in comparison to the overall market, it's doing pretty well. Um, prices are holding up and they're being underpinned largely, according to data and, you know, the, the things that I've been reading, by a real lack of inventory. So mm -hmm. that's something that we're seeing across the board. Um, but at the same time, we are seeing... Um, resort markets, these outdoorsy areas, second home markets, they're tending to hold up really well. People still want that. And of course, high-end buyers are not as impacted by rising mortgage rates, by the economic uncertainty, by the rising cost of living. That's not to say they're immune to these things. They're certainly not as affected as, you know, the general overall typical buyer is. Um, but that's, you know, they still want a good deal they still don't they don't want to shoot themselves in the foot over a purchase you know they're still trying to be savvy and smart right great well we'll touch on some of those themes again but i want to um, ask you zach zach of course you've been in, an agent in the colorado market for many years in boulder and i wanted um, to ask you just generally what makes boulder such an appealing location for people yeah, that's a great question. Uh, you know, time and time again, what I hear is quality of life. Um, Boulder is a small city, population of a little over 100,000 people, um, surrounded by open space. We have uh, amazing access to the outdoors and to trails. We have uh, an outstanding university. We have, um, there's art, there's music, there's culture, there's uh, excellent fine dining. Uh, we've got uh, Denver International Airport is is 35 minutes away or so. So really, it's it's been driven by quality of life. Right. You've got a, a lot of appealing factors there. Um, can you give us an overview of what the luxury market looks like in Boulder now? Certainly. Yeah, our, our market, our high end market is brisk. It is um, it is very busy. Um, we have limited inventory. We have a lot of demand in our market and um, we have a very active off market market in Boulder because of that. Mm -hmm. And can you talk a little bit about what that means just in case anyone is unfamiliar with, with that terminology? Yeah, it means we see a lot of homes that are selling that aren't necessarily selling on the open market. They aren't selling in the MLS. They're selling um, privately um, just because there isn't uh there's not nearly enough inventory right now. Mm -hmm. Right. But sometimes we, we call those pocket list things as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Since we're on the topic of inventory, I mean, Boulder has a very unique, um, unique issue. I don't want to say problem, but um, set of circumstances when it comes to inventory. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Historically, Boulder, we, we, we never really have a lot of inventory. Um, we have a small city surrounded by open space. We have a lot of demand to be here and we have fairly limited supply. And so um, year over year, we never have a surplus of inventory and um, inventory certainly dipped over the past few years. It's come back a little bit, 
2023, but we never really have a, a, a uh, an overwhelming amount of, of housing supply. Right. And I think part of that is to do with with um, zoning and restrictions that have been put in place to keep Boulder a, you know, mid or smaller city. Can you talk about that a little bit? That's absolutely right. Um, you know, we're, we're essentially a landlocked city. We've got open space on three sides and we've got the mountains to the west of us. And it's um, it's a small city where there's just not a lot of land to go around. And so because of zoning and because of um, just the nature of the city there, you know, there, there isn't room for growth. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I was also wondering how Boulder compares to some of the other markets in Colorado. Obviously, Aspen's very popular, um, Denver, some of the other mountain cities. How, how, how would Boulder compare? Certainly. Um, you know, Aspen, uh, Vail, Steamboat, Telluride, those are all um, great mountain communities. Um, a little bit more remote. Boulder is more accessible. We're mm -hmm. about 35 minutes just northwest of Denver. Um, easy access to Denver, easy access to the airport. Um, uh, Proximity-wise, I would say it's probably just an, an easier uh, small city to get to. Right. Gotcha. Um, it's also, I mean, as we were talking about the relative affordability, of course, an Aspen is going to be one of those places where it's not exactly relatively affordable. You know, those homes go for some of the priciest in the country. So Boulder is a, a good option with still that accessibility to the mountains and, and then other, um, you know, businesses and actual jobs that you might have to go to exactly. for those who can't work remotely. Um, and so what kind of properties are, are buyers looking for? Are there any must-have amenities? Sure. Uh, in the high end, uh, in our luxury market, buyers are looking for done homes. They're looking for turnkey. Um, we don't see a lot of new or newer construction coming to the market, but that's what buyers are looking for. They want to move in um, and not have to do any work. Um, I would say a couple other trends over the past few years, especially since, um, since COVID, um, you know, all of a sudden buyers want two home offices. They want space for a home gym and they want some land, some outdoor space. Right. Um, and where are people coming from? You know, if they're moving to Boulder from a different place, um, do you see any trends from where, where they were living before? Certainly, yeah. Um, we welcome a lot of buyers from the California area. I would say Los Angeles, um, the Bay Area, we certainly see a, a lot of buyers moving from um, from California, a lot of folks from Chicago, from the Midwest, um, quite a few from New York, um, Florida, uh, and we still see quite a few international buyers coming into Boulder as well. Interesting. So that must make for a diverse community in Boulder. Very much so. Yeah. Amazing. Um, and there, let's talk a little bit about the businesses that are um, in Boulder you know, there are some start startups. I think there's a little bit of a tech community coming. Mm -hmm. um, tell us a little bit about that. There's an extremely vibrant business community in Boulder. Um, there's a, a, a strong startup scene. Um, Google has built their fifth largest campus in the world, um, just at Pearl and 30th, right in the center of Boulder. So Google has a, has a strong presence here. Um, Apple has established a presence here in Boulder. Um, there's quite a bit in the in the technology world happening, and I find that um, 
relocating buyers can move to Boulder and still feel fully connected in the business world. Gotcha. Um, and so we talked a little bit about the inventory is obviously limited in Boulder, but is that having an effect on prices there or because it's always been limited, has it not, not so much in Boulder? Um, certainly a, a lack of supply has always driven um, value in our market. And I think that that continues today. We don't have a surplus of, of inventory. We have, um, you know, when you look at the high end of our market, we just don't have a lot to choose from. And so that has continued to, to drive pricing in our market. Got it. Liz, you talked a little bit about this earlier, but can you talk a little bit more about how this low inventory is underpinning prices? Yeah, absolutely. So it's supply and demand, right? When there's not enough, there's more people competing. Generally, that's going to push up prices, whether it's bidding wars, whether it's, you know, um, well, bidding wars are pretty much the gist of it, right? Um, we saw a lot of that during the pandemic. And, you know, I think everybody probably expected that things were going to improve quite drastically. Um, but without that, without that supply, it's not quite been able to happen. So we, even though we've got all these external factors going on that should, in theory, helping pull down those prices, it's there just isn't enough supply to go around. And so it's really underpinning them um, significantly, I would say. Is that, do you think that's a fair fair assessment? I would absolutely agree, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, I did a story this week about how um, inventory in the last four weeks it was down 18%, which is the lowest in uh, maybe a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And part of this reason is because people don't want to lose their low mortgage rates. Sellers or potential sellers don't, you know, they'd be locked in at a 3% and they don't want to go up to a 7%. Um, but I, I'm not sure, you know, when, of course, we're going to have to depend on what happens with the Fed and if rates start to come down for that inventory to really sort of write itself. Right seems like. Um, so, Zach, where you are, do you see a lot of investors who are looking for properties? We do. We see a lot of investors coming into our market. Uh, we see a lot of um, primary home buyers. We're, we're seeing more and more second home buyers, but mm -hmm. we do see a lot of investors uh, pretty active in our market. And are, they come, are some coming in and, you know, taking a home that maybe isn't in great shape and doing, you know, fixing it up and flipping? Is that part of the Boulder experience? We do see some of that. Um, um, more than that, what we're seeing now is homes being built, new, you know, from scratch, taking down a, an older home and then building a new custom home. Right, the teardowns. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Excellent. Yep. Um, I do want to remind our audience that you can ask questions um, and we'd love to try and answer them. Um, we do have some some questions from audience members. And Selena asked this question about wildfires and, you know, the drier climate and the concerns that that creates in um, communities like the state of Colorado. Mm -hmm. So Zach, can you talk to about that a bit? Yeah, it's certainly, it's, it's a concern um, in Colorado. Uh, it's a concern throughout the country. Uh, at Compass, we have um, 12 agents or staff who have lost their home um, in the past two days in Maui. Um, so it's certainly a concern here. 
Um, there's quite a bit that can be done as far as mitigation goes um, uh, around a property, um, but it is, it's a concern in our market. Right. Um, obviously, it's a concern in many, many markets, and that includes Hawaii, um, and we wish your colleagues the best. Um, and California, you know, we're famously having these wildfires, and they put a lot of stop gaps in place, trying to keep fires from spreading. Um, and the state is doing a lot, but of course, you know, you can't really contain Mother Nature. So um, I think that'll continue to, you know, be an issue as we go forward. Mm -hmm. um, and Morgan asked a, about construction. You spoke to, about this a little bit, but um, can you talk a little bit about new construction and potentially filling the gap of this national or, I mean, in your area, um, lack of supply of homes? Um, in our market, you know, we see a lot of new construction that's being done custom. Mm -hmm. um, we do not see a lot of new construction that is being done um, for spec or being done and then brought to the market. So, uh, and, and I do think that that is driven by, by rates. Um, we saw a similar trend, uh, you know, post 2008 and 2009, where um, spec construction really slowed down because um, builders just weren't taking on that risk. And so we, while we see a lot of very nice custom new construction homes, we don't see a whole lot of new construction homes that are being brought to the market. Right, right. Um, and I also wanted to ask you, we, we touched on this earlier, but, um, you know, I want, how in your, the mortgage rates are playing out, as we've talked about the luxury buyer isn't as tied to those rates because they might be cash buyers, but it's not like they live in a vacuum. So what are you hearing from your clients now about these kinds of issues? What I noticed was the second half of 22, our market started to slow down. And uh, it felt to me like we really sort of bottomed in November, December of 22. 23, uh, the first quarter was was slower to start, but I have noticed uh, a significant increase in confidence. I think that confidence is back with buyers. And so the second quarter and, and now into the third quarter, it's been uh, extremely busy, I would say. And I, I, I see that confidence has improved drastically. I think that was sort of the forecast at the beginning of the year when, when people had their crystal balls out that they thought maybe that this first half of the year would continue to slow, but we might see an uptick on in the second mm -hmm. half. So, you know, we'll see if that actually plays out. But mm -hmm. um, but I think a lot of people were, were saying that. Um, Hal, who is um, has asked a question about rentals in um in Boulder, and it are is there a big rental market, especially for single-family homes? There, there is a good rental market. Yes, there is. Um, it fluctuates, of course. Um, but there there is some good rental supply. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. um, and are those homes, or are there, is there a lot of condos and and other kinds of housing? Yeah, we see we see a, a handful of very nice single-family homes that are available for rent. We see condos, we see duplexes. Um, we'd, we'd see it all. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Um, and 
We also have a question from Stephen about um, his question is, is this a bubble or will this be a long term value increase? And how do you see that playing out in Boulder, Zach? You know, I can speak to the Boulder market. And um, I think when you look back at the real estate trends in our market and the way that the market has performed, um, I don't see it as a bubble. I see it as a very slow and steady appreciating market with um, a healthy economy, um, a limited supply, a continued demand, a university, um, you know, a great startup scene, um, just a, a real demand to be in Boulder. And, and I don't get the sense that there is uh, that there are the same trends that we see in some other bubble markets. Mm -hmm. Right. And one thing that I heard from a lot of economists regarding this, um, again, probably at the start of the year, was there's so much more equity in homes that buy, that owners have than, say, in 2008 when we had the Great Recession. So that really will keep values um, up, I think. That doesn't necessarily mean there won't be any decreases, of course, but I think that, that, that there's a strong sense of um, equity in the market, for sure. Yeah. Um, and so I'm just wondering what your thoughts are for the rest of the year. Um, do you see any headwinds that buyers or sellers should be on the lookout for? And on the flip side, the, the tailwinds, what do you think will, will help? That's a great question. Um, as far as the market, you know, I, I see that the second half of 23 is going to be a busy year. I think that we'll continue to see a very active market. Um, I think for buyers um, in the luxury market, especially in, in Boulder, what I would say, um, you know, call it a headwind or just some, some guidance, I would say is um, it's a very nuanced local knowledge market. And I think it's critical to work with a local seasoned realtor who really knows the market and I think that the, the biggest challenge that I see for buyers in the high end is buyers coming in and trying to unlock the market or figure the market out on their own and or not getting the best advice. I would say the best thing you can do as a buyer is to is to find a, um, a really seasoned, knowledgeable local realtor, whether that's in Boulder or any other market. Uh, find find a local expert who can help you and guide you through the process. Right. Excellent. Well, Liz and Zach, I really appreciate you both being here and giving your important insights into the markets. Thank you. So, and thank you so much to our audience for tuning in today. Please join us again on Monday. Barron's Senior Managing Editor Lauren R. Rublin and Deputy Editor Ben Levinson will talk with Blair Boyer, co-head of the large cap growth equity team at Jenison on the outlook for growth stocks, financial markets, industry sectors, and individual stocks. Thank you all for listening and take care. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.